Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across Big Blue View Radio, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Big day for your New York Giants on Tuesday as General Manager Joe Shane, I don't know if we should call him Trader Joe at this point, <laughs> swung a big deal on Tuesday for tight end Darren Waller sending third round pick that he got from for the Kadarius Tony trade uh, to the Raiders to get Waller. And uh, here to help me uh, break it all down is Tony Del Genio of Big Blue View. Tony, thanks uh, for a few minutes. My pleasure. So uh, Kadarius Tony turned into Darren Waller. That's not too shabby. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, I, I think it just goes to show you how you have to wait for trades to play themselves out before you really can, can conclude whether the trade was, was good or not. I mean, the, right, the immediate thing is Kadarius Tony for, uh, uh, for Darren Waller and a sixth-round pick. Uh, also, and of course, you know who knows what the sixth round pick will be, but but it, it you know it's probably not going to be an earth an earth shaking uh, uh, player, but but just that trade in itself, uh, Kadarius Tony was somebody who was traded among other reasons because he uh, couldn't get on the field enough, and of course the reason Darren Waller, I think, or one of the reasons Darren Waller was available to the Giants in trade is because of the injury problems that he suffered over the, over the past two years. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think both sides of that don't really happen or don't happen the same way otherwise, but, uh, but for the Giants, it's a, it's a great trade. I think on, on many levels, first of all, if you get any production out of Darren Waller, then it then it's a great return for a, a low third round pick. And by the way, you know we say third round pick, but I remember when the Tony trade was made, so many people on Twitter were saying, "Oh, well, it's really just about a fourth round pick because it was at the bottom of the third round." So remember that it's just about a fourth round pick now when you're evaluating how good a value Darren Waller is for for that pick. It's not the top of the third round; it's the bottom of the third round, and. Uh, you know, and 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 when you look at Waller's contract, uh, it's very favorable to the Giants in that after this year, if you know, if he's a disaster, if he can't get on the field at all and does nothing for them, and they and they just throw up their hands, they can get rid of of him with no dead money. Uh, even though he's got got these three years left on the contract, there's no dead money after this year. So, really, there are there are safeguards in place to make this not a a big disaster if his health doesn't hold up 
And uh, and if it does, the Giants are getting one of the top five tight ends in the NFL, which is just an amazing thing. All right, show's over. I think you hit all the uh, all the salient points. I think we're done. That's that's pretty much everything we needed to do. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing you you talked about the contract, and you know, we we have to talk about that a little bit. The the Waller contract. There are four years left on the deal that he signed with the Raiders, so that people know. I think it's. The Giants are going to be responsible for somewhere around eleven point nine million in uh, on the cap in twenty twenty three, but there is no guaranteed money left on the contract after the twenty twenty three season. Which means, as you said, they can move on from Waller if it, for some reason if he can't get on the field if it just doesn't work for whatever reason and there is there would be some dead money but it's very very minimal amounts of dead money you know that that come in those over the last 3 years of of that deal it would all wrap into 2024 if they were to move on after one year but but it's very minimal so it's a very favorable deal. And I mean, after a year, the Giants could, if if it works well, they can renegotiate that deal to to whatever they want it to be for, you know, for a couple more years beyond that. Um, but beyond the contract, we I talked to Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post for a show that I did on Monday. And Ryan and I were talking about the fact I asked, I asked Ryan who I'm learning more and more about how well connected Ryan Dunleavy is at this point. Ryan Dunleavy was was first to report the Daniel Jones news last week. Ryan Dunleavy was all over the fact that the Giants were about to make a Darren Waller trade today. Had tweeted that there was a trade coming. He just couldn't tweet the name. You know, as he as he admitted afterwards, he couldn't get a second source to confirm it. So he he didn't put the name out there. He just basically put, you know, there's a tight end trade coming. So so I, I'm learning more and more about how well connected he is. But when we talked, when he and I talked for our podcast, for my podcast on Monday, we talked about the idea that the big move for the Giants this offseason would be a trade for, for a wide receiver. As it works out, it's a trade for a tight end, but it's still a big deal. It still does what the Giants needed to do for this offense. It does what they needed to do for Daniel Jones. It gives them, if Darren Waller is healthy, it gives them a number one target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yes, he's a tight end, but he started as a wide receiver and converted to tight end. And when you watch him, you can see that he started as a wide receiver because he's got moves and, and he's got, you know, long downfield speed. I mean, this is someone who can make explosive plays and that's what you're supposed to be after. I mean, yeah, when, when he's healthy, you know, he's, he is right up there. Uh, You know, as far as the injuries go, uh, I, I looked up how he compares to George Kittle who, to my mind, is one of the top two or three tight ends in the NFL. He's he's played just about as many games as George Kittle. He has 
just about as many receptions and just about as many yards over the last four years of his career, over which Waller's been a, a starting tight end. And so, uh, like Kittle, he's been not on the field all the time. But but if I said to any Giants fan, well, would you take George Kittle if you could get him? And I think most Giants fans say, yeah, I'll take George Kittle. Now, George Kittle's a great blocker, too, which Waller apparently is not. He's purely a receiver. But in terms of offensive production, um, you know, if, if he's anything you know like he can be, it will be a, a tremendous asset for the Giants to give them someone who, who almost functions like that X wide receiver that we've been saying the Giants have needed for so long, ever since Plaxico Burris, probably. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, even though he's a tight end, I mean, he gives you that type of, of, of big target that you can hit. Plus he's, he's got the breakaway speed to give you lots of yards after catch. Absolutely. You know, I asked Joe Shane at, at the Combine about the the basketball team theory of, of building the wide receiver room, and and he downplayed it. He said, you know, Brian Dable wants guys who can separate, guys who can do that. But regardless of, of what he said, you still need somebody who can catch a, a 50-50 ball for you. You still need need some size and now Waller provides that for the Giants. You mentioned, you know, George Kittle and and the reality of it is George Kittle is the number one receiver in San Francisco. The number one receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs is Travis Kelsey. For years and years and years and years, the number one receiver for the New England Patriots who were the dominant team in football during that time was Rob Gronkowski. You can build a passing attack around the tight end as your primary weapon. You obviously need guys at, at the wide receiver spots who can do some other things, but 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 you can run a passing offense. And Mike Kafka has seen it up close as you know, working in Kansas City for all those years. You can run a passing offense through a tight end. You can absolutely do that. Shoot, years ago the Giants did that with Jeremy Shockey. Mm-hmm. So, so you know this is for me. It's a terrific move. Um, basically, they gave away a pick that had belonged to Kansas City. I'm a little surprised that that's all it took to get Darren Waller out of Las Vegas. I'm not sure what was going on there. I don't know if you saw it, but there was the weird story. That that came out about Waller getting married, yeah, a, you know, a few days ago, like a week and a half or so ago, and how he didn't want the news to come out, and how Josh McDaniel somehow managed to spill the news at the mm-hmm. at the combine that that Waller was getting married, and apparently Waller wasn't real happy about that, and and who knows if 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 that had anything to do with them moving on from him. But it's it's very curious after they gave him an extension, and it's just a weird story. And and if the Giants sensed a disconnect there and jumped in, then good for Joe Shane, good for the front office, you know, for for paying attention and and realizing that that uh, Waller was a big fish who was available. Yeah, and you know, I I mean, I read also that that a year ago, uh, Green Bay was trying to get. Waller in the deal as part of the Devonte Adams 
uh, you know, move. And at that time, the Raiders wouldn't do it. Now, a year later, they're willing to put him in a trade for, as you said, you know, just a third round pick and a, and a low third round pick. And so, yeah, something went on there. And, and you know, who knows? Who knows what it is? I don't know. You know, it's that it's not as if I don't think I don't think Jacoby Myers is going to 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 replace what Waller gives them. So I think they're going to have to have to, you know, look elsewhere for more offensive production, although they they do have also Hunter Renfro. But uh, but it it's but for the for the Giants, I think I think, you know, not only I, I think it's not only what it does on the field right now, but to me, I think it's also maybe what it does for them in the draft. Now, I don't know whether Shane has any more trades brewing that are going to come in the next couple of days. I, I saw some things on Twitter that, that the Giants are still in the market for a wide receiver and maybe he's going to make a trade. But but the first thing I thought of when, when I saw the Waller trade was that, well, now I think it takes the pressure off the Giants to look for a big wide receiver in the draft. You know, and 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 that's important because where the Giants are picking, let's say in the first round, if they want to go wide receiver in the first round, a lot of uh, of the better big guys are are already gone by that time. But you got some very intriguing smaller guys like Zay Flowers, who's often well, there when you do mock drafts. At there's, I was going to say, there's only one true big X type receiver in this draft class at least in the early part and that's quentin johnston of, of tcu and 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 like you i thought the first thing i thought was zay flowers at 25 and and i will be honest i love zay flowers i i know that zay flowers has 29 and something inch arms i know he's five foot nine i know all of that and you know what I do not care. The young man can play. The young man is electric when you get the ball in his hands. Yes, when you draft a wide receiver of that size, there's a kid, Tank Dell, out of Houston, who's a guy that's probably, he's probably a, a, a round three, round four kind of a pick. But, He's another one of those guys who can separate, who can run, who's electric with the ball in his hands. You can't throw him a 50-50 ball. You can't expect him to make the contested catch deep down the field. He's just not. And Zay Flowers is is that kind of player. But you, you work around what he can't do. You do what he can do. I think he's terrific. And I think a, a, having a Waller type, puts a guy like flowers in play for the giants at, at 25, I think. And, mm -hmm. and it's funny, I get questions about, well, since the giants traded for Waller, I got a, I got a question already today since they traded for Waller, does that take them out of the market for a tight end in the draft? And the draft is supposed to be so deep in tight ends. Why wouldn't they just draft one? Well, there's not a draft pick on the planet who's ever played in the NFL, all right, first and foremost. There's no proof that any of those guys, that Dalton Kincaid out of Utah or or any of those guys, Michael Meyer out of Notre Dame, there's, there's no way to know if any of those guys is going to be a good NFL player. They should be, but there's no way to know. You had the opportunity to get a guy who's been a tremendous NFL player 
you take that. And, and for me, like we've talked about, Daniel Bellinger's a nice player. Darren Waller could be a tremendous player, but Darren Waller could also be a giant for only a year. If the Giants see it, have a tight end that they like in the third, fourth, fifth round, that doesn't mean they can't take the guy. You know, that doesn't, why, why, why would that stop them from taking a tight end? It might stop them from taking one at 25, but not later in the draft. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't see why it would stop them from doing, uh, from doing that at all. Yeah. And I think, and, and that's what I think these moves during the free agency period do in general. They take the pressure off you. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'd like to think that, that Joe Shane and all the people who wind up making these decisions during the draft are are telling us what they what they you know really do about about not not being pressured into into doing anything at a particular place but looking for the best players they can find but when push comes to shove somewhere or other the giants need somebody to catch the ball yeah. mm. somewhere or other the giants needed somebody to play linebacker for them and now that the giants have gotten themselves an honest to goodness good linebacker and an honest to goodness good pass catcher uh, before the the draft comes, it does take some pressure off to kind of go hunting for for things like that, and it does give them more freedom. I think when when their number comes up to to actually say, oh, here's a really nice player here. You know, well, let's just take him because he's better than other players, even if he's not at the position that we we think we need the most or whatever. So I think they can actually follow a best player available strategy a lot easier when you start filling those holes during the free agency period. And they've managed to fill two big ones in two consecutive days. And so I think that's one of the great things about all of this. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things is people study the draft and I mean, they, people begin obsessing about the draft halfway through, you know, an ongoing season, they'll start obsessing about the, about the next draft. Mm -hmm. You know, halfway, if not even before that, and you get to, you know, you, you get to this point and people are already dug in on which players they like, which, what they think teams should do and all of that. And the reality of it is I've been doing mock drafts now for a couple months and we do all of our profiles and we, we do all of that. And yet it really doesn't mean a whole lot until we see free agency because free agency changes the way that you look at the board. I've done mock drafts with, with linebackers, Drew Sanders and, and Trenton Simpson, you know, at 25. And the reality of it is we saw the, the news today that Wink Martindale was at Clemson and that, oh my God, he spent time talking to Trenton Simpson. And that must mean that the Giants are going to draft Trenton Simpson at 25. The reality of it is maybe they do, but you know, linebackers a whole lot less likely at 25 than it was before they signed Bobby Okarecki. Yeah. And, and you know, spending, you know, spending resources at the front of the draft on a tight end is a lot less likely. So you have to, before you can really figure out what a team's going to do, you really have to see what they do in free agency. A lot of times, and, and, and I don't want to 
I'm kind of dredging up his name and people will hold their nose, but Dave Gettleman used to talk about this too. You, you, you kind of telegraph what you think about the draft class by what you do in free agency as well. You kind of telegraph the areas where you think you, you know, where you think you can get a player in the draft. Yeah. And, and if I'm looking, if I'm looking at the draft right now, and obviously free agency is not over. Technically, it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> you know, technically it hasn't started because nobody can actually sign a contract, which I get a kick out of. We report for the last <laughs> two days. The Giants signed so and so. Well, no, they didn't. They agreed to terms with so and so. Yeah. He didn't they didn't sign anybody, but they are going to. But uh but you know, the reality of it is you you really don't know what to hone in on in terms of the draft until after free agency. And and I don't know about you, Tony, but I'm look right now, if nothing else happens, I'm looking at cornerback. I'm looking at the defensive line. I'm looking at maybe the offensive line if the right guy is there. And I'm looking at wide receiver, you know, depending on, on who they like and, and and the Maryland grad in me is is banging on this table for Deontay Banks. I, he's he's <laughs> good looking. I I'd be very happy to see him there at number twenty five. And I, well, I, you know, if both he and Zay Flowers were there at twenty five, I'd kind of throw up my arms and say, "Well, take one and uh, toss a coin." There you go. A, yeah, you know, talk, you can't go wrong. I think with what you know before the guy ever steps on a field uh, in the NFL can't go wrong with either one of those, those guys, uh, you know, now that the giants have gotten Waller, uh, I might say, well, let's, let's prioritize cornerback and go for Deontay Banks. If he's there, uh, we'll take that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just interesting. And, and it, the other thing that it goes to show is, you know, Joe Shane talked about closing the talent gap with the Eagles and, he also talked about this really being the start of what he hoped would be the build because they were sort of in survival mode last off season. They were just trying to, to field something that was representative and didn't, and, and wasn't embarrassing. And, and the 2022 season turned out far better than they could have hoped. Obviously you're making the playoffs. Um, I got a kick out of, I had a chance after the Giants signed Daniel Jones. We had a, a Zoom call with uh, with with Joe Shane, and I asked him if he a year ago if he would have thought he would be there signing Daniel Jones, and he said no. He said no. He said if I'd have thought we were going to re-sign him, I'd have put the I'd have I'd have uh, I wouldn't have you know rejected the fifth year option. You know, would have made life a lot simpler. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, he he was honest about that, and I I think this is it. It's just interesting to me that that this front office they seem to have a plan. They know what they want. They're going after it, um, and uh, and it 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 just feels like an enjoyable time to uh, to to be covering the giants to be rooting for the giants to be following the giants it's just uh it, it's it's different well you just i think as a giants fan 
you know, you step back and say, everything screams that these guys know what they're doing. It doesn't mean that all these moves are going to work out. Things may blow up in their face, but you look at the moves that they've made and not just in the past two days, but the moves they've made ever since they got here. And, and so much of what they've done gives you confidence that, that they know what they're doing. And, you know, part of the excitement over bringing in a guy like Darren Waller is that I'm confident that they'll know what to do with him. And I, you know, I think back to the Giants drafting Evan Engram, and I felt like whatever Engram's flaws, he also had a lot of talent. And I always felt that the Giants really didn't know how to utilize him property, properly. And uh, they, they, they didn't seem to recognize the, the situations in which he had problems and the situations in which he thrived and then gave him more, more of the latter. But with this coaching staff, you're confident that they will figure out how to use guys in the way that they can be used best. And of course, Brian Dable was once a tight ends coach. And Mike Kafka, of course, came from Kansas City, where he kind of saw close up how the Chiefs used Travis Kelsey, right? And so you got to think that those two guys putting their heads together will come up with some nice ways to use Darren Waller in a way that exploits the the, the very obvious talents that, that he has. And so I think that's part of the excitement. It's not just getting the names. It's saying, oh, these guys are going to know what to do with this player. Well, I think that that is something that we learned a year ago when the Giants drafted Wandale Robinson. There was so much gnashing of teeth and so much, he's a third-round pick. He's not a second-round pick. And the reality of it was that the Giants said very simply, we have a plan. All right, so uh, we had a little bit of uh, of an internet interruption there, folks. Had uh, the uh, the big storms in the Northeast here have uh, have dumped more than a foot of snow on my uh, on my home in upstate New York and caused a little bit of a brief power outage there. Lost the internet for a little bit, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, Tony and I kind of lost our place in in where we were in terms of, of recording. So uh, we're going to pick up here a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what there is left for the Giants to do. Tony, it's weird. The uh, we, We've seen so much already, but technically free agency hasn't really started because the signing period hasn't started. What else? You know, we've got the big trade. We've got the the Okareki news. The Giants added something to their defensive line. They re-signed a bunch of their own players. At this point, what else would you really like to see them do in free agency with whatever resources they have left? Yeah, you mentioned the the defensive line, and that's uh, uh, Nunez Rochas, right? Uh, yes. And uh, actually, I was pretty happy with that signing, too, because I think one of their one of their big problems last year was was that when uh, Nick Williams went down with an injury, uh, they had to play uh, Justin Ellis, I think, a lot more. And their their run defense at the at the first level uh, was just not good the rest of the year. And and so I think they've really upgraded that as well and, and provided a really you know viable rotational piece to give uh Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams arrest. So actually, 
uh, people paid less attention to that, I think, than the uh, Okereke and signing and the, and of course the Waller trade. Uh, it's the smallest of the three, but I think that was an important one too. So if I if I think about what the Giants, you know, need beyond this point, I don't know that there's a wide receiver in free agency that thrills me. And so I'm hoping that if we're adding a wide receiver, it's probably through the draft, unless we're we're you know doing taking a, a low level wide receiver in free agency for depth. Uh, similarly for cornerbacks, I'm not sure that free agency is the place to go grab a cornerback because it's probably going to cost you a lot of money to get a really high level cornerback in free agency most of the time. And uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what's what's possible, but I'm guessing that's not where they're going in, in free agency either. And so the next area of need that I can think of for the Giants, now that they've gotten a linebacker, is the offensive line. And, uh, you know, you could take the attitude that, that, that the pieces are already there on the offensive line and they just need another year to improve, especially the young players like Evan Neal and uh, Josh Azudu, Josh for example, another year from Ben Bredesen and so on. And that might be the case. Uh, but I, I think there's still uncertainty there and I think I think you know Evan Neal. I think you don't want to touch for another year. You just give, want to give him that second year and, and hope that that he develops before you start to move and think about moving in a different direction. But the interior of the line, I feel like those positions are are still up for grabs, and we don't really know what to expect. And now with Nick Gates having left, there's uh, less depth there than there used to be. And so I think somewhere along the line, they've got to pick themselves up a center and uh, a guard. And maybe one or both of those things can be in free agency. If not, then they're going to have to be in the draft. But I don't want to see them go into the next season without some upgrades on the line there. Yeah, I feel like it might be both in that area, Tony. I feel like John Feliciano will be brought back eventually. I don't think you'll see Feliciano get the kind of money that Nick Gates got, which I think is one of the reasons why he'll be back. But I think also wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if there's a center you know, taken by the Giants in the draft or another interior offensive lineman continue adding to that group. That, uh, to me, was a mistake that Jerry Reese made several times as general manager over the, his, his last few years was not adding consistently to that line. was a mistake that Dave Gettleman made a couple of years ago. The year after he drafted uh, Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, and Shane Lemieux, then he drafted zero offensive linemen. And it, it's always a mistake not to supplement that group. So in some way, shape, or form, yes, they do need to supplement that group. Wouldn't be surprised if they make a move, a low-cost move, somewhere at safety. Mm-hmm. I think Julian Love is going to price himself out of the uh, – out of the market for the Giants. And Joe Shane has said several times that he thinks there's depth in the market. I think he believes that he can find a useful safety either in the draft or on a low-cost signing where he won't spend as much money as he, as he would have to spend to keep Julian Love. So I would keep an eye out for that at this point. Anyway, um, you know, we're... Uh, 
we're at that point where, you know, come Wednesday afternoon, guys can actually put their names on contracts and technically free agency can actually start. <laughs> and I think you know, we're going to find out, I guess, tomorrow, whether Shane is uh, using the option of uh, cutting Kenny Galladay with a post-June 1st designation or whether he's just going to cut him, actually cut him tomorrow, which makes a difference in how much cap space they'll have to work with if they uh, if they decide to take the post-June 1st designation, then it, then it gives them extra money after June 1st, and they could use that to sign the draft class, which frees up money for them to make another move before June 1st. And so if they do that, it, it makes me think that maybe he's got other things in mind with free agency before they, other than the, the very low-cost things uh, uh, to do to do this year. Uh, if they don't, if they just go and 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 take the six point seven, I think it is million that they that they get in in cap relief by cutting Galladay tomorrow, then maybe it's, it suggests that they're going to be a little bit more conservative in what they they do in free agency. One thing I, I've said to myself that I that I can't even rule out them doing in free agency is actually signing a second free agent linebacker. And I don't want to, I want to, you know, because they, they really are in dire need in the linebacking core. And there's the, there's the chance that Darian Beavers will look good in camp this year. Once he, if he's fully recovered from his injury and he might slot in as, as one of the linebackers. And again, there's a chance they'll, they'll draft a linebacker, I think, especially on, on day three. Uh, but they do need somebody next to Okereke to play. And it's not obvious who that's going to be at this point. And so, there are other free agent linebackers around. It's not out of the question that he might he might double dip. That's what Chicago did at linebacker. They got two. Yeah, who knows? It's uh, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Not sure how much money the Giants have left to spend. I did want to remind people that when we say tomorrow, as we do the show here, we are talking about Wednesday. We are recording on Tuesday night. So just in case you're, you're confused by that, I did want to say one thing about Kenny Galladay. I get asked all the time about why wouldn't the Giants just make him a post-June 1 cut? Why wouldn't they make all of their you know, cuts like this post-June 1 cuts? And the reality of it is there are two schools of thought. There are two ways to do this. Yes, if they make him a pre-June 1 cut, they save... $6.7 million on the cap. But, and, and and if they do that, they get to use that money right away. They can use that money right away on March 15 to begin signing free agents. So if they need that money to pay for some of the moves that they've made, that makes sense. The other thing about that that makes sense is yes, they take a $14 million cap hit this year. But as Joe Shane said, if they do that, they take their medicine this year and Galladay is completely off the books heading into 2024. If you make him a post-June 1 cut, you do save on the 2023 salary cap, you save $13.5 million. But that... $6.8 million difference between 6.7 and 13.5. That doesn't disappear. That lands on the 2024 salary cap. So, you know, Joe Shane has, has indicated that he would like to just be done with it, take his medicine, be done with it and, and move on. And if the giants are 
if they can do that, I think that's what they will do. We'll find out at some point on Wednesday. But there are so there are drawbacks to the post June one cut simply because you do that, you're carrying money into next year as well. Right. And, and so I, I think, you know, it'll tell us a little bit about, about how he sees the rest of free agency this year, but it also, I think, tells us something about how he's, he's viewing the long term, Right. And, and yeah, I think if there's one thing that, that I'm pretty confident in about Joe Shane, it's that he is thinking long-term. He's not just acting in the moment that he's, he's going in with a plan and, and executing things when he wants to, the way he wants to. And he's trying to, to put himself in a position where he's not forced to do anything really. And so uh, either way he goes, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see. Absolutely. I mean, the last thing I will say before we wrap it up is that Joe has been clear he was clear before the 2022 season that it wasn't necessarily about 2022. You can see from what he's done so far in, in the way that he's treating the salary cap, even what he's doing right now is not necessarily about going all in on 2023. Yes, they signed Daniel Jones. They made the big trade for Darren Waller, and those things will make them better in 2023 as they continue to build this roster but it's about setting the giants up for sustained success for a long-term run where they can be competitive on an annual basis and not just once in a while so that's the encouraging thing for me is they have that goal they have a plan they seem to know how they want to get there and uh Tony, I think uh, I think that's enough for you and I as we uh, as we we wrap this one up. So, uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please uh, stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and remember, we'll be back uh, if there is uh, some some news on Wednesday. We'll be back with another show. So, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Bye bye.